0: Welcome to Distilled, the bourbon podcast. My name is Brent Bridges, and I'd like to introduce my co-host. First to my left is my good friend, Chuck Stinnett. What you need to know about Chuck is he is a walking encyclopedia. He's in the Kentucky Journalism Hall of Fame for a reason, and he loves bourbon. Chuck, glad you're here. Glad to be here. Chuck, how did you come to know bourbon? Well,
1: I, I really grew up with bourbon. Uh, I grew up in Kentucky. I grew up in Lexington. Uh, my parents were bourbon drinkers. Uh, they liked to have a highball uh, at, at, uh, at late afternoon and Coca-Cola and, and, and some bourbon. And I was a little kid, I don't know, eight or nine or something. And uh, I guess it was a my dad was going a little soft that day. And I said, hey, can I have a taste of that? And I, he gave me a little sip. And I said, wow, that's really good because I, I knew I liked Coca-Cola. And I liked this sweet stuff that was in there as well. I said, let me have another sip and he said no i think that's it for now so i had to take a little hiatus for a few years but uh, uh, uh bourbon was always around our house and uh it just became a favorite and um you know even even during the uh, the, the the sad years of bourbon uh
0: um, i was drinking bourbon when bourbon wasn't cool Yeah. i love that and what a great story to to start with and you and your lovely wife donna have visited a couple of distilleries around the state have you not well we've been to almost every one of them they keep popping up so it's it's kind of whack-a-mole
1: but uh, we've been uh, probably uh, 40 or 50 times uh, sometimes r- repeat visits uh, little distilleries uh, big gym beam uh, you know everything in between uh, we're going to try to complete the uh, Kentucky Craft uh, Bourbon Trail uh,
0: this fall and the other partner that we have with us here is my good friend American hero U.S. Army veteran Brian McDaniel. Brian, it's great to have you here on the podcast. Great. Good to be here. So what you need to know about Brian is a couple of things. First, he is Mr. Logistics. He can move tanks. He can move paperclips, You name it. He can make it happen. But what you also need to know about Brian is he owns multiple liquor stores here in the Northwest Kentucky area. Tell us a little bit about your journey to finding bourbon, Brian. Well, first,
2: I'd like to say, logistically, I'd rather be moving bourbon than tanks. <laughs> it's a lot more fun. Uh, so my pursuit into bourbon was really when I bought the liquor stores. I bought the liquor stores in 2012, or bought a liquor store in 2012, and after that, we expanded. But uh, everybody kept coming, wanting Pappy Van Winkle and uh, W.L. Weller and some of these other bourbons. And at that time, I, I didn't know what they were. So I started asking my salesman if I could get acquire some of these bottles and they're like, no, you got to sell X amount of this or that, you know, to to qualify for those bottles. So that sparked my interest. So I asked one of the salesmen if I could get set up to go on a bourbon tour. So they set me up with Buffalo Trace, Woodford, um, I believe, Makers. So we went to a few. And the first one we went to was Woodford Reserve. So while my wife and I finished the tour. We go to the tasting room, which is everybody's favorite part, right? Right. Well, it wasn't mine that day. I got my man card taken from me because <laughs> my wife and I were the only two in the room that couldn't finish the bourbon, which is kind of embarrassing now looking back on it. Because I'm any tasting room, I'm not going to leave any bourbon there whatsoever. So that was kind of my gateway into bourbon and learning the history of the distilleries and what makes them unique as opposed to another one. Uh, I really was fascinated by it and it really brought me into the bourbon community. And ever since then, I've been hooked.
0: Obviously, these two guys are well qualified to talk about uh, all things bourbon. My qualifications are I have a couple of microphones and I like to drink bourbon and that's about it. But let me tell you how I came to know bourbon and that really starts when I go to college and I kind of like college, Chuck. I've been, uh, I've been continuously going, you know, uh, all my life. It seems like I finished 11 years and a couple of degrees I think if you stay long enough, they will throw one in your car as you drive by. But it was at college where all of my buddies and all my fraternity brothers, you know, were drinking beer. And, you know, beer's okay, but it's not really my thing. I've developed a taste for it, you know, later in life. But I needed an alternative, and bourbon kept coming back to me. I tried different things. I tried tequila, which is really a foreign word for looking for love in all the wrong places. (laughs) I tried vodka. I tried gin. But bourbon was always the thing. And I started easy with, you know, bourbon and Coke, just like everybody else does. And then you get a little more adventurous and, you know, you're drinking it neat the next thing you know when you're looking for these crazy things out there. And then as I got to know a little bit more, I was fascinated by all the things you can learn about bourbon. There are so many terms out there and uh, topics that we can discuss. We felt like this podcast might be the right place to look for things like Let's talk about Kentucky straight bourbon or bottled and bond. We can talk about wheats and rise. We can talk about, you know, double oaked and angel share and devil's cut and all those things. And we will, uh, and we'll talk about aging, those sort of things, but really we're here to talk about one of our favorite topics. And that is bourbon. It has this fascinating fraternal thing that goes with it. It's not really romantic. Maybe it's bromantic. I don't know. But you know, you find another fellow bourbon file, and you have an instant connection. I was at a meeting this week, and I sat next to uh, one of my peers, and, and uh, we were talking, you know, trying to introduce ourselves and have small talk. And I said, "Yeah, I do this little uh, podcasting thing, and, and we're going to start a bourbon podcast." And his eyes lit up, "Oh, you like bourbon." So we instantly started talking about all these things, And, and he started telling me about these Japanese whiskeys and bourbons and I'm, and so i'm like man i i know nothing yet so this is going to be so much fun to dig into all this stuff. So Chuck tell us a little bit about what we can expect from this podcast.
1: Well, we're going to go out on the road sometimes, we're going to visit with uh with uh, distillers at distilleries, uh, tell you about what they look like and what they what the tours are like. We're going to talk to people in the industry, we're going to talk history, we're going to have trivia, we're going to talk about what we're drinking at a, at a particular time and just you know the 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 beautiful bourbon lifestyle and the heritage and the history and the lore
0: and the lies absolutely and and Brian you know everybody in this, this industry right so we're going to talk to some experts sure. Yeah, that's absolutely correct. Uh, You know, I'm kind of
2: a bourbon insider being in the business, so I have some uh, unique connections, and we're going to talk to them. We're going to talk to some other people in the bourbon industry. Uh, We're not just going to go to distilleries. We're also going to reach out to people uh, who are on other podcasts or uh, who are just knowledgeable in the bourbon community. And I think we're also going to reach out to some novice and some people who are just regular Joes and see what got them into bourbon
0: and their, their love and affinity for it. Absolutely. And we want to know from you, what do you want to hear? What topics would you like for us to cover? You can find us on the internet at distilledbourbonpodcast.com. You can find us on Facebook under that same name. You can send us an email to info at com, And uh, just let us know. What do you think? Do you like the show? What do you not like about the show? And let us know what you're drinking and talking about what are you drinking Brian, what are you drinking these days? Well, Brent,
2: uh, our first podcast, we had Weller CYPB. And I told you that's probably my third favorite expression from them. Uh, today, I've actually got Weller Full Proof in my glass, which is a great bourbon. My favorite, uh, other than William LaRue, from the Weller brand. Um, I personally like mine on the rocks. It's a little too hot for me to, to drink it neat. Uh, but obviously, wherever your preference is, is the way you should be drinking it. What pr-
1: what proof is it? Is this full proof?
2: Uh this one? Actually it's on it's 114.
1: Okay. So. Hey, I've got a great story. Years ago, we were at uh, the uh, the Jockey Silks uh, in the uh, in the Galt House Hotel in Louisville. And there was a, a convention going on, uh, the, clearly international group of people. Uh, and I got the feeling that maybe these people were like, you know, chemists or chemical engineers or something like that. So a bunch of smart guys. My wife and I are sitting at, at the end of the bar at, uh, at Jockey Silks and just kind of chit-chatting with the bartender. And this young fellow, blonde a fellow probably in his late twenties comes in and in what sounded like a kind of a, a nordic accent he says very distinctly uh old granddad 114 please and the bartender says sure how, how do you want it and he says neat and it sounds like he someone has told him what to order right and he, he wasn't he, looking at
0: his palm or anything like that
1: I, I, of notes. I, I think it was smudged a little bit so uh uh, he he takes his his little glass of of uh, 114 proof old granddad and about 30 seconds later he was back at the bar saying may i have two glasses of ice water please
0: <laughs> exactly yeah that that would be about right man gets a little spicy sometimes he yeah. he, he he tangled with a little rattlesnake that night <laughs> yeah that that reminds me of the uh, riverboat
2: cruise we had uh here in Henderson Kentucky last week you know we had uh, novice bourbon drinkers. And, uh, you know, we were drinking 90 and 100, I believe, 14 proof bourbons. And a lot of them just could not even finish it. The, the look on their face when they drink it. And I can speak from experience because I was in that boat before. And you don't just start drinking 114 proof bourbon and be okay with it. Most people
1: put in a cocktail of some sort. So is that 114, was that the Peerless Rye? Yes, it was the Peerless Rye. Yeah, I was sitting across from a fellow from North Carolina who he he talked a good game, but he he, he when t- he tried it, uh, he was coughing. Yeah. Smooth. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Uh, Chuck, what are you drinking these days?
1: Well, most evenings, I'm drinking uh, the house cocktail. This is a cocktail that I discovered at Maker's Mark on a July 4th weekend three or four years ago. Uh, they have a little cafe on the grounds, and after we'd done our tour and our tasting, uh, before we, we hit the road, we were going to get a sandwich. And I, I saw a little sign on the bar that said uh, their, their special house cocktail cocktail. Uh, it sounded good, uh, so I ordered it, and it was just delicious. So house cocktail, uh, Maker's or other quality Kentucky bourbon, uh, some uh, bitters. Uh, I started off with Angostura, and then I went to Angostura Orange, but uh, these days I'm doing Fee Brothers. Boy, it is a really, it's a tasty, tasty bitters. Uh, a few drops of lemon juice, and then, well, at Maker's Mark, they serve it with uh, AL8-1, which is a uh, Winchester, Kentucky-based uh, ginger ale. Uh, it's famed across Kentucky. Uh, but uh, usually I, I just do it with uh, uh, with Canada or on dry ginger ale, something like that. So uh, bourbon, some bitters, a few little bits of, uh, of uh, lemon juice. Uh, and uh, some ginger ale, and if you have got uh, a little bit of lemon you can drop in there, a little wedge, that makes it just that much better. So that a house cocktail is my standard. Yeah, that
0: sounds like a great summer drink. Fantastic. Another great summer drink is, is what I'm drinking, and that's a Kentucky Donkey. Kentucky Donkey is very similar to a Kentucky Mule, which you probably are already aware of is um, bourbon, great bourbon if you can get it, and uh, then a ginger beer a real ginger beer, some lime juice. Well, I didn't have limes uh, and really wanted a a mule. And uh, so I had some lemons. I thought, well, I'll try it. I mean, how bad could it be? It's bourbon. So uh, I made this bourbon ginger beer lemon drink and and had to call it something. So donkey is the closest thing I could come up with to a mule. So, um, man, it's good. It's good stuff. I may never have a, a mule again. Cool. I like
1: it. If you're mixing, I'm thirsty.
0: All right, we'll do it for sure. So, uh, you mentioned earlier that we may have trivia contest and absolutely we are. And, uh, not only will you have bragging rights for winning this said contest, but, uh, we will draw one person that sends us the correct answer and they'll have a fabulous prize. And Brian, can you tell us what that prize is?
2: Yeah. So if they're local, they will receive 10% off, um, any purchase at any of our beverage bar locations, which we have four, three in Henderson and one in Morganfield,
1: Kentucky.
0: Chuck, what is our trivia question for the day? Sure. Well, lots of brands,
1: uh, they, uh, they have some kind of a slogan, their, their claim to fame. Uh, years ago, uh, James E. Pepper uh, out of Lexington, uh, they had, uh, their motto was born with the republic because James E. Pepper had traced the, traced the uh, distilling in his family back to the 1770s when the Revolutionary War was taking place. So my question is, there is a Kentucky bourbon that uh, its motto is uh, Kentucky's first distiller. So what bourbon brand uses Kentucky's
0: first distiller as its slogan? Hmm, that's a good question. If you think you know the answer, you can send us an email at info at com, And all of those that get it correct go into a drawing. We'll draw one person out and win that fantastic uh, discount from the beverage barn courtesy of Brian McDaniel. Thank you. Thank you, buddy. Appreciate you donating that to us. So we're in our first episode, fellows, and we can't go too far with talk, without talking a little bit about what is bourbon anyway. Chuck, what does bourbon mean to you? Well, bourbon is whiskey. Uh, uh, whiskey is any kind of
1: alcohol that is distilled from fermented grain. Uh, whiskies are made all over the world. Scotch is made in Scotland, of course, and there's Canadian whiskey and Irish whiskey uh, and and uh, Each one is kind of singular. This Tennessee whiskey, which is a little bit different uh, than than bourbon, but uh, bourbon in particular, uh, number one, it has to be made from a a mash of at least fifty-one percent corn. That's where it gets a lot of its sweetness, Uh, and then so that corn is uh, is is milled into like a flour. Uh, consistency along with some other grains typically rye and barley uh but you can also have uh wheat uh, instead of of rye uh rye kind of gives a bourbon a, a, a peppery taste and uh wheated bourbons like uh, Maker's Mark or or Weller's or Pappy uh tend to have a a sweeter uh smoother palate uh it has to be made in America It doesn't have to be made in Kentucky, but they say that 95% of all the bourbon uh, is made in Kentucky. In fact, there are more barrels of bourbon aging in rickhouses across Kentucky than there are men, women, and children living in Kentucky. Something upwards of 5 million barrels these days. So at least 51% corn uh, made in America, hopefully made in Kentucky. Uh, Then after it is uh, uh, distilled, and you have clear white dog, then that, uh, that, uh, that whiskey is going to go into a new charred oak vessel or container uh, where it's going to be aged. Uh, by law, by federal law, and these are all federal regulations, uh, there's no uh, minimum amount of time that it has to be aged. Typically, it's going to be a matter of years. Uh, if it's labeled as a Kentucky straight bourbon or if it's bottled in bond, well, then there are uh, requirements. But basically, 51% corn made in America, uh, aged in a new charred oak vessel. Uh, a couple of other t- technical uh, details that, uh, that, that we'll skip right now. But when it goes in the bottle, it's got to be at least 80 proof, uh, 40% uh, alcohol. I think most of the bourbons that uh, you you'll see at uh, at, at Brian stores and and everywhere are going to be more like 90 or 100, 100 or yeah, 100 proof, but it's, it's got to be at least 80 proof. Um oh, and and it's brown and it's delicious. And Absolutely. it gets it gets all the color from the barrel.
2: I mean, that's really where that color comes from. It's not at there's nothing added to it. It is coming from that barrel, that charred oak barrel. And the cool thing about bourbon is what really separates bourbon from other whiskeys is all those characteristics of a first-time charred oak barrel. Scotch far outsells bourbon, you know, throughout history. Uh, But what a lot of people don't know is they can reuse their barrels multiple times. And for for bourbon, you have to use that one barrel, and then you have to uh, get rid of it or not use it again for bourbon.
0: Right, and I think some of the bourbon barrels actually go – to Scotland, Scotland, right? To, right. To uh, age scotch. Yep. And some of them go to breweries, wineries, things
2: of that nature. So there's a huge surplus with with bourbon, the way it's propelling in the market. Uh, there's a lot of uh, used bourbon barrels out there that are going to wineries. Uh, you know, and a lot of them, like uh, Brown Brown Forman, for instance, which owns uh, Woodford Reserve and some other brands, big brands, uh, they use theirs internally. They'll just send them off to make whiskeys like early times, which they don't own early times anymore. But that's, uh, what a lot of the big companies do.
0: Sure. And I can't wait to go to, to a stave like independence. Oh yeah. And, yeah. I've never been Chuck. Chuck has, but yeah, we'll definitely talk about uh, those more in other episodes. And speaking of other episodes, we're going to be going to uh, a distillery soon. We're going to go to Casey Jones. It's a very cool place down at Hopkinsville, Kentucky. Great people down there we have an interview that uh, I think you're going to really enjoy. We're also going to talk about the bourbon trail and we'll have uh, Chuck tell us about uh, all the experiences he had. And, and Brian's been to several and uh, I'm a newbie. I, I have all kind of questions about how to get started and where to go and what else can you do? And then we're going to talk about how to find that unicorn bar- um, barrel. Yeah. I'll take a barrel of Pappy any day. Um, I just don't want to show up on Netflix on that yeah. show. <laughs> Heist. Right.
2: Have you seen that yet? I have. It's, Very different than I expected, but it's definitely a must-watch
0: if you're into bourbon. Yeah, if you don't live in Kentucky, we're not all idiots, I promise you. But it is a good show. We have have our teeth as well, just like you said. I haven't played softball in years. (laughs) But beyond that, uh, I digress. So uh, we're going to find those unicorn barrels. Brian, you're going to help us figure out, you know, what is the supply chain? How are you going to have your best opportunity to find something that is becoming more and more difficult to find?
2: Yeah, so uh, just like Brent said, I mean— it is a roller coaster ride of how to obtain allocated bottles. I get asked daily multiple times a day about bottles when they're being released. And the thing is most, most consumers, especially bourbon consumers, uh, they know more than me in some cases of when something's getting released. Uh, I, I don't even research anymore cause I just wait for somebody to ask for it. And they tell me when it's going to be released. And I start asking my salesman. Uh, but yeah, we'll, we'll go down that, uh, that rabbit hole, if you will, a different episode, because it's very complex. A lot of people don't understand the three tier system of how the bourbon or the liquor industry works as a whole. So we'll have a dedicated episode
0: just to speak of that. All right. Very good. Fellas, do you have anything else? I got nothing. I've got nothing. All right, then until next time, please drink responsibly.